We praise You. We thank You. Lord, we have the privilege and the honor of being in Your presence, of being in Your house today, of lifting our hands and lifting our voices and clapping our hands and worshiping You, God. We thank You today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we're together again, just praising the Lord. We're together again. In one accord, something good is going to happen, is in store. We're together again, just praising the Lord. All right. Well, we're together again, just praising the Lord. We're together again, in one accord, something good is <clears throat> Oh, yes, it is. We're together again, just praising the Lord. Well, we're together again, oh yes, just praising the Lord. We're together again, in one accord, something good is going to happen. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. Let's sing it one more time. Oh, we're together again. We're in the presence of God. Praising the Lord. We're together again. Something good is going to happen. Something good. Is in store. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Every one of us can bring whatever word, type of sacrifice and worship. We all bring our own worship before the King. I can't worship for you and you can't worship for me. I gotta bring my own sacrifice. I gotta bring my own offering of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Sacrifices of thanksgiving, and we offer up to you the sacrifice. Let's offer him a sacrifice. Oh, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. Of the Lord, I love you, Lord Jesus. Of praise 
into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you sacrifice. One more time. Oh, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. We offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We don't just bring a sacrifice today. Hallelujah. I hope that you brought your sacrifice of praise with you. And that you don't just bring it in here just for here and then you leave it here when you leave. I hope it was already with you when you got here. You just brought it in with you. And when you leave here, you don't leave it here, right? You take it with you. Amen. David danced before the Lord with all of his might and he took all his kingly clothes off and he just, he embarrassed his wife, but he wasn't embarrassed before God. Amen. He danced with his, all his might. In his underclothes before the Lord. Would we do that as the king? Would we have been willing to do that? God is awesome. We have so much power that's in this name that we say that we have called upon us in in water baptism. We have the power. Right? Jesus said that all power in heaven and earth was given unto him. So if we have that name... That name that makes devils turn and run, then we got some power, folks. We've got some power. We've got power to heal. We've got power to do what Jesus did. We've got power to pick up some mud and spit in it and stick it in somebody's eye and God put an eyeball there. We've got that same power because He said we do greater things than He did. You think that's awesome? I'm going to let you do greater things than I did, Jesus said. Hallelujah. I'm just waiting for him to tell me to do something stupid and crazy like that because I want to do it. I want God to use me. I don't want to get the glory for it. I don't want to go bragging to everybody that, hey, guess what I did? I'm going to say, hey, look what Jesus did. And he happened to use me to do it. Hallelujah. Well, we've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Though Satan rage, let him rage, go ahead, will not be defeated. 
We've got the power in the name. We've got the power to cast out devils. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of... we got the power to speak to cancer. Though Satan rages... We Oh, hallelujah. We've got the power. Let's sing that like we believe it. In the name of the Lord. Oh, I've got the power. In the name of Jesus. We've got the power. Satan's going to tell you you don't have any. Don't listen to him. Although Satan raised, he's a liar. We will not be defeated. We've got the name, the power, in the name of, one more time. Oh, we've got the power, in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. When Satan rages, we will not be defeated. We've got the power. Let's sing it one more time. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, we've got some power. we got all the power, not just some power. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Though Satan rages, we will not be defeated. Got the power in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your power. Thank you for the authority and dominion that's in your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He sent the 70 out with no Holy Ghost and told them they'd have to use his name. And they came back, and what did they report? That they had power over devils in the name of Jesus. Just in the name of Jesus alone, no Holy Ghost. There's power in that name. We don't realize sometimes. He's waiting for us. We're waiting for him, but he's waiting for us to to just exercise the faith he gave us and use that name. Amen? You say that name when you're about to have a car wreck, and he'll keep you from from dying in that car wreck, rolling that truck rolling over. He'll keep you. He knows how to stick his hand right out there and just stop it. Amen. There's power in that name, folks. We have no idea. And when we and the devil's afraid one day we are going to figure it out because <laughs> it's so powerful he runs from it. <laughs> Look at that man in Gadara when Jesus stepped foot out on the out of the boat onto the land. What that, that that guy came running to him. What are you doing here? Why are you here before our time? <laughs> they knew who he was. 
They know that name. Whew, hallelujah. Amen. Ushers and greeters this afternoon. Uh, well, I guess it's going to be this afternoon. I'm, I'm believing our pastor is going to preach the house down. So, uh, right after service today, if you're a usher greeter or you want to be an usher greeter, please meet with Wayne and Vicki and, and the rest down in the fellowship hall this afternoon, okay? And uh, men's prayer. Boy, that's dark back there. February 11th, 8 to 9. Be here. We're going to have a guest speaker for men's prayer. He's going to talk to us about dominion. Amen? All right. February 11th, also from 10 to noon, the ladies will be meeting downstairs for their book study on notable women in the Scripture. Amen? So be here for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. All right, we are having missionary brother and sister Paul, Field of Ministry of Spain. Well, they'll be here next Wednesday, or yes, next Wednesday, February 15th at 7. Be early to prayer that Wednesday in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is so good to us. His presence is here right now, church. He is right here. He's ready to do a work. If you'll receive that today, again, it doesn't matter the tool that's up here. It matters that Jesus is here and He wants to do something. That's it. And if all of us will give ourselves to that, if we'll believe that and act upon it, folks, there's nothing God cannot do in your behalf. Nothing. Amen. Scripture text today is uh, found in John 15, verses 5 through 8. John 15, verses 5 through 8. <clears throat> the Bible says this, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Amen. Speak on this topic today, the presence of God. The presence of God. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that your presence is here with us even now. I pray, Lord, that each person, each individual, each family, this church congregation would enter into the presence of Almighty God today. That we would hear your voice, feel your touch. That we would sit at your feet and receive of you your good things. Oh, Thank you, Jesus, for your excellent loving kindness, your long-suffering patience, your daily salvation. Thank You, Lord, that it is Your desire to minister to needs here today. Help us, Lord, bind together as one, as one body, entering into Your presence, not only receiving of You, but giving to You our worship and our praise and our giving of thanks for all that You've done and for who You are. Hallelujah, Jesus. You sit upon the throne. This is Your service. You are the Lord our God, and we are Your people, Your servants. Minister according to Your perfect will and according to our desperate need here today. 
All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. This idea of do become do is uh, something, as I said, we're going to focus on this year. Uh, It is uh, not as self-evident as I had thought. Um, So I want to explain that just a little bit. Uh, We understand becoming so that we can do. Okay, we get that. But um, we can't just simply sit on a pew and wait for God to transform us. Uh, that's not how this works. There are things, there are things that we have to do, decisions that we have to make, disciplines that we have to get into our lives, so that we can position ourselves to a place where God can then begin to transform us. Okay, uh, it is God's perfect will for all of us to become Christ-like. That's His perfect will. After salvation, He wants us to start taking on His image. But there are choices that we have to make. There are things that we have to do for that to take place. One of those things that we must purpose in our hearts to do is to dwell continually in the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as we sit in His presence and we behold Him, we are changed into that same image. It's not all at once, it's a period of time. But day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, as we move forward in Him, we are transformed slowly but surely into His image. I've seen individuals, I remember Elder Brother Abernathy, he he visited... Uh, our church in River Falls when we were attending there. The first, I'd never heard of him before, never met him. I went up, I shook his hand, greeted him. The first thing, the first impression I got was polished. Polished. And I didn't mean the way he looked, I meant his spirit was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. That impacted me. I still remember that. Obviously, I just said it. I still remember it. But that impacted me. It's like, I want to be like that. I want God to do that in my life, my heart, my spirit. And He can, and He will, if we'll allow Him to. In Scripture, we see uh, the word glory, particularly in the King James, uh, being used... For the word presence. It's kind of synonymous. We see those interchanged. Uh, aspects of God's presence, we, we realize that He has a general presence in the world. We understand there's nowhere we can go to get away from God. Uh, he's there. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23:24 says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. So His general presence is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere present simultaneously. There's nowhere we can go. 
Isaiah 6.3 says, One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Or His presence is everywhere. We read about His tabernacling presence, if that's a word. We understand that God was present generally with the the nation of Israel coming out of the nation of uh, Egypt during the Exodus. He was present in a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. We see later on on top of Mount Sinai where he was present in smoke and thunders and lightnings and a thick darkness. But later on, he transitioned from that to the Ark of the Covenant. We read that the ark was the focus of God's presence in the camp. In fact, it was located dead center of the encampment. Every time they would make camp, they would set up the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was present. That was the dead center. We read in 1 Samuel 4, 21 and 22, she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken. And because of her father-in-law and her husband, and she, she said, the glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Again, indicating that the ark of the covenant of God was the representation of His presence dwelling with His people. Psalm 63 and 2 says, To see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. Again, the ark of the covenant dwelling in the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. We see in Scripture His presence in theophanies, or physical appearances. Theophanies don't necessarily, technically mean uh, human-like bodies that He appears as, but physical appearances. Exodus 16.10 says, It came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. We read about uh, Moses Seeing God, seeing His glory from behind. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. God manifesting His glory as thunders and lightnings. Exodus 24:17 says, The sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And more completely, Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 through 18 reads this, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in a fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. Amen. So he represented himself, his physical presence, with power and with great authority. Thunders and lightnings, smoke. Darkness. And it caused the people to be afraid and tremble in the presence of Almighty God. We read in these last times, He manifests Himself in the form of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 and 9, of course, says, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Moses, I've declared before, I've said, he still is one of my favorite Old Testament characters. And it wasn't because of his prominence in the Old Testament. It wasn't because he was so mightily used of God, although that's definitely cool. 
He's my favorite for one reason and one reason only. He asked of the Lord something. Show me thy glory. From the time I received the Holy Ghost, it entered into my mind this thought that there was a place in the presence of God that has not yet been attained unto by human beings. And I have been seeking that place ever since. It is my desire to dwell in His presence continually. Moses asked of the Lord exactly that. Show me thy glory. And he was allowed. In the Old Testament, the most direct view of the manifestation of God ever recorded. We're going to go through some of their dialogue here and try to glean some some wisdom from it. Exodus chapter 33 and verses 12 through 23. We'll read the whole thing and then start breaking it down a little. Verse 12 starts by saying this, Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. We'll continue that later. So we see here, being introduced to this scene that Moses communes with God in the presence of God. I always I suppose I don't know for sure if it was by choice. I think it was. But uh, I make a difference between Moses and, and Joshua and the rest of the camp in that the camp seemed very content to dwell in their tents afar off. 
when God manifested Himself in any way. In fact, one time they told Moses, we'll, we'll talk with you, and His words will we do, but we don't want to talk to God. We want nothing to do with the presence of God. They were terrified of the presence of God, and I think I probably know why. Their heart was not right with God. They were continually backsliding in their heart. They wanted nothing to do with the presence of God. Moses. Moses was very happy to enter into the presence of God. Joshua was very happy to wait on Moses. And he got just as far up there as he could get. And that's where he stayed. He got as close as he was allowed to get. That's why I like Moses. Moses reminds God of his promises. Those things that God had spoken to Moses in previous communions. And he begins to build on those promises. Folks, it's perfectly fine. In fact, it pleases God that we remind him what he's told us. And it's good to remind you what God has told you. It's good to remind yourself of the promises of God, especially in dark times and in difficult places. Rehearse those things in your ears. Amen. Lord, You said. Lord, You promised. Moses builds on those promises. If those, if those promises are true... And I'm asking for something else on top of that. I'm asking you to show me your way. Why? So that I might know you. His desire is to have power with God for God's purposes. To be used by God. But more importantly, to draw close to Him. To know Him. To have an intimate relationship with Him. This is Old Testament, folks. This is the angry God. This is the, the, the separate God. This is the jealous God. No. Not at all. Moses' passion. Moses was as close to God as anybody had been at this period of time. And what was his reaction? He wanted more. The closer he got to God, the more of God he wanted. And that's still true today. The closer you draw to God, the more of God you're going to want. If you're lamenting your lack of desire and passion for prayer, discipline yourself to pray. I'm telling you, folks, just do it. Discipline yourself to pray. Do it every day. And it won't take too long. You're going to start to want to pray. And pretty soon after that, you're going to need to pray. You're going to look for excuses to pray. Praise God. The more of God you get, the more you're going to want. It's true in the Old Testament. It's particularly true under this new covenant. Moses intercedes. He tells God, you asked me to bring these, your people, from Egypt to the promised land. And a reminder 
that they're your people. They're your people, called by your name. Redeemed by your great power. God answers, my presence will go with you indeed. You'll have rest. You'll be at peace. We see Moses' second plea. And here we see his priorities. Your presence go not with us. I don't want to go. Moses is saying, I don't want to go anywhere you're not leading. I want nothing to do with it. If you don't go with us, I don't want to go. God's presence is His number one priority. I pray we can declare the same thing in our lives. That His presence, our relationship with Him is our number one priority. God declares that God's presence is what separates... I'm sorry, Moses declares that God's presence is what separates them from the rest of the nations. It's the fact that His presence is going with them that divides them from the rest of the nations. God's presence manifesting His power and authority and working signs and wonders and miracles. Providing miraculously blessings and provision for the nation of Israel. That's the difference. The difference is God. There's no other difference. Any secular difference would be they're smaller than the rest of the nations. They're weaker than the rest of the nations. They'd be gobbled up just like that if God left. God Himself makes the distinction. God tells the reasons He would do these things. Because Moses has found special favor and grace in God's sight. Because of the relationship that He has with Moses. And because this favored one, this special child, asks something of God. God is delighted to respond. He's delighted to respond. Moses asked something that was in the will of God to manifest. He was praying God's will, folks. And when we pray God's will, we can pray boldly. We can pray confidently. It will surely come to pass. And Moses' third plea, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. As close as Moses was allowed to approach God, he wanted more. He wanted more. And he was confident to ask for more. Why was he confident to ask for more? Because he had a relationship with him. He understood the character of God. He'd been working, God had been working with Moses this entire time. He had a relationship, the two of them. Moses understood something about God. And so he asks, child of God, just ask. Ask your heavenly Father those things that you have need of. He is gracious. He's delighted to provide all of our needs for us. Jumping down to Exodus 34, 6-10. through 
And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste. bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as has not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Continuing with Moses' third plea, God answers, show me thy glory by doing three things. God allows Moses to see the hindermost parts of him, the physical presence of God, his hindermost parts. God proclaims his name to Moses. And God declares His abundant grace and mercy toward them. His fourth plea begins by worshiping God. He makes haste and bows his head to the earth and worships. And then Moses asks for three things. God's continued presence for Israel. God's people. He seeks pardon for the sin of the, the nation. And that God would take these people as His inheritance. That God would possess Israel as His covenant people. In His asking, we make some observations. We see that Moses doesn't hold back, he asks big. He asks much. He asks everything that's in his heart. He's not asking to merely survive or to subsist. He's asking for all of it. In our prayers, folks, our ideas, our concept of who God is, really does manifest itself in our prayers. It really does. When my God is huge, and He reigns supreme, and He loves me, I have boldness and confidence to come before His throne and ask. When I, when I feel like I've let God down, I'm not in a place I need to be, When I feel like God's not looking this way right now, I'm not very confident to ask much. My pastor asked me a question one time. And I really had to I really had to work through the answer to this question. His question was this. Do you think God will answer your prayers more when you've been good for Him? 
Do you think you have a better shot at getting something from God because you've been good? And the reason I had to work through that is the exact reason some of you are looking at me like you are. Well, I'm supposed to be good. God's not going to reward disobedience. Right? I mean, I, I can't just live like the devil and then come to church and pray for my blessing. That's not what he meant, though. What he meant was this. I can't get... I'm, I'm relying on the finished work of Jesus Christ for my righteousness, my holiness. And I cannot do anything more. I cannot qualify myself to receive of God any more than I already am qualified. And that means that when I have fallen, I'm not less qualified to receive mercy. And when I've been good, I'm not more qualified to receive anything from God. I'm already qualified by the blood of Jesus. There's nothing I can do or say or, or, or accomplish to make myself more worthy of anything from God. I am worthy. He's declared me to be worthy. And I can't be more worthy than that. Neither can you. And so when I'm praying, when you're praying, ask big. Because He's a great big God. He'll get more glory for accomplishing the impossible. Loose Him in your life. Loose Him in your situation. Give Him free reign. That's okay. You don't need to have all the specifics laid out for poor old God. If you give it to Him, He can take it. He can work with it. Just let Him work it out. You don't need to give Him all the specifics. This is my need. Lord, I would please take care of this. I'm giving this to You. Work this out, please. I can't. I'm sure you'd, you have some idea of what you want to see done. But my advice is just to hold that in. Just let God do something. Let God come out of left field. Let God use the hornet. Let God do something crazy. But ask big. Don't ask small. Moses is prompted on by how God continues to answer him. God continues to answer him in the positive. I'll do this thing. I'll do this thing that you ask also. Yep, I'll do that. So, let's keep asking. Let's keep asking according to the will of God. And I like how he never made a distinction between himself and the people. Not once. Go among us. Pardon our iniquity and our sin. Take us for thine inheritance. He never separated himself. God wanted to separate him at one point and destroy the nation for their disobedience and lack of faith. 
But Moses keeps putting himself back in there. He identifies himself with the nation of Israel. All their warts, all their lumps, everything. Hebrews 11, 24-26 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. God's answer again, He pledges to move and to act in their behalf so powerfully and so mightily. No one has ever seen or heard anything like it. There's going to be absolutely no doubt in anyone's mind that this is God working for the people of Israel. Moses said, just go with us. Just let your presence be with us. Take us for your inheritance. And how did he answer? He said, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. But here's what else I'm going to do. I'm going to work so powerfully and so mightily, so consistently. I'm going to do terrors and wonders through you, such as not been seen before. That's how God answers prayer. That's how He answers great big prayers. Above all that we can ask or even think. That's how God answers prayers. Ask big folks. Stay in the presence of God. There will be absolutely no doubt in anyone's mind that God is with this people. Exodus 34, starting with verse 28. The scene continues. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant and the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. When Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandments all that the Lord had spoken with them in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. Moses put, up, put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Amen. Something happened to Moses that he never asked for. Something he wasn't expecting. Something crazy, something wonderful. He began to reflect the glory of God. Just a little bit. That was nothing compared to the glory of God. We understand that. But to the people of Israel, it made them afraid. God's glory was being reflected in His servant Moses. So powerfully that it affected His relationships with everyone else around Him. Everyone saw it. 
They could think about it what they wanted, but they all saw it. There's no mistaking it. So much so, he had to cover it up. He had to put a veil on his face. Some of God rubbed off on Moses. Isn't that awesome? That blows me away. That amazes me. It matters who you, t- who you spend time with, folks. Good and bad. Choose your relationships very carefully. You'll never go wrong choosing a relationship with Jesus Christ. You spend just as much time in His presence as you possibly can. You got the time. You just have to allocate it different. If you're thinking you don't have time, we have time to do everything we want to do. I'll get up early. If I got a trip planned to the Boundary Waters, I'll get up at 3 in the morning. No problem. I'll be tired, but I'll get up. I'll be up 245. Because I'm excited about going to Boundary Waters. Now, you want me to get up at 245 to go to a job? That's going to be harder. So I don't want to do that. I have to do that. Sister Bell, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Not 245. <laughs> but if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. I'll stay up late. I'll miss a meal. I'll drive where I need to drive. I'll do what I need to do. Because I really want to do that. Stop making excuses, folks. Because that's all that is. We're going to do everything we want to do. We're going we're gonna to have enough money to do everything we want to do. So just make different excuses. What excuse can I make to get into the presence of God? What excuse can I make to pray a little bit longer? He always knows when you're lying. We need to associate ourselves with the presence of God. I heard the phrase practicing the presence of God a while back. When you spend time in God's presence, you will be transformed into His likeness. People will recognize His likeness in you. They may not have a relationship with God. The children of Israel had a very little relationship with God. But they recognized God on Moses. People in the world are going to recognize God in you. When you speak with them, they'll feel that. When they look in your face, they'll see something. Let God rub off on you. Our scripture text 
Jesus exhorts us that we need to abide continually in Him. Because without Him, we can do nothing. We need to stay attached to the vine. If we get separated, we wither and die. And you can lie to yourself and you can try to fool yourself and convince yourself that I don't need to do all that. I don't need to spend all that time. I can just do a little here, a little there. Just touch up as I need. You'll float by like that for a varying length of time until something bad happens. Then the reaction is one of two things. Where is God when I need Him? You need God every day of your life. Whether you're in the midst of prosperity or pain and suffering. You need God every moment of every day of your life. It's just that sometimes it's easier to recognize that than others. You always need God. You needed God when you weren't praying, when you weren't coming to church, when you weren't reading your Bible. You needed God then too. That's the truth. We all need God. And if we'll acknowledge Him when it's light, I promise you He'll acknowledge you when it's dark. He most assuredly will. The Bible does tell me, if you deny me, I'll deny you. If you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you. Is that fair? Most people want to deny Him and then have Him acknowledge us. People think that's fair. That's very reasonable. Forsake God, forsake God, deny God, don't acknowledge God, then I have a need. Where is God when I need Him? Makes no sense. We need to maintain a relationship with God. We need to abide continually in Jesus Christ. If we'll abide in Him and His words abide in us, folks, our prayers are going to be answered. Primarily because you're going to be praying in the will of God. When we abide in Jesus Christ and He abides in us, we will pray the will of God. We don't have to worry about that. Those prayers for a mansion and, and a brand new speedboat and million dollars in the bank and all that stuff, we don't have to worry about that anymore. If God wants to give me that, it's going to happen. I'm just going to keep moving on in the will and plan of God and whatever happens secularly, fantastic. Or doesn't happen, fantastic. Our priority is something else. Our priority is moving and advancing the kingdom of God forward. Not my own ministry, not my own life, not my career, 
God. That's our priority. That's why we're here. We serve Jesus Christ. We don't serve ourselves. We don't serve my own needs and desires. Many times I just like to take a day off. I don't like fishing, but I'd be willing to try it. Maybe I can catch something this time. They hated me first. So, they started it. (laughs) But that's not my priority, folks. That's not your priority. God will be glorified if we abide in Him because we'll bear fruit to His name and we'll be His disciples. We're going to reflect our Master in our lives. Don't you want to reflect Him? Don't you want to know Him? I want to know Him. I still believe there's a relationship with Him that hasn't been attained to. That's open for you too. I got a head start. I want to maintain that. Yeah. I don't know if I have a head start on some of you. I want to, I want to get as close to God as I can. I want as much of God in my life as possible. Why wouldn't you? Because it's inconvenient. It takes too much time. It's going to take some discipline. Yeah? Yeah, and yeah. All the above. If I'm going to be a success at anything, it's going to take discipline, sacrifice. If I want to succeed at anything in life, I got no trust fund to look for. there's, There's no inheritance coming down the pike for me. If I want anything, I got to go get it. That's just the way it is. And spiritually, folks, we do have an inheritance. We do have an inheritance. But I got to do something with that. I got to apply that. The principles in the Word of God, I got to go about doing those things. I got to do the will of God. Can't just talk about it. God suffered on a cross and died so that He could have a relationship with us. Surely we could get up an hour early if necessary, stay up an hour later if necessary, so that we could have a relationship with Him. He's done everything He needs to do, folks. The rest is up to us. Let's all stand. Let's all come to the front, if you will, please. Again, if you're just starting out in this, you've never really prayed before, never really experienced the presence of God before, You're just going to have to experience it to believe what I'm saying. 
And the only way to do that probably is to just start disciplining yourself and do it. Eventually, you will get to the place where that's who you are. You want to pray. You want to experience more of God. I promise you. I would that everybody, everybody would give themselves wholly and completely to God in their lives. I also know that not everyone will make that choice, unfortunately. But whosoever will, not whosoever says, not whosoever wants to, whosoever will, you can come at any time, enter into His presence at any time. You can stay as long as you want. As long as you want. Ask Him for those things that you need. Questions that you have. Doubts. Fears. Let Him assuage them. Let Him minister to them. We still live so far below our means, church. So far below. God wants to do so much. Brother Demuth touched on it during worship. He wants to do so much through each of us. He wants to show Himself strong and mighty through you. The answer that He gave Moses, He'll do better than that for you. We're in a better covenant. With better promises. He'll work so wondrously and so powerfully in your life if you'll just let Him loose. If you'll just ask Him. And believe that He will. But you're not going to know that if you don't know Him. You've got to spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. Abide in His presence. Amen. Let's do that right now. Let's get into the presence of God.